Welcome back, Two Hats family, to the Two Hats podcast. I'm your host, Chris, your favorite tactical information officer, and Brittany. Is Brittany your favorite PO? That's to be debated. That is to be debated. Um, we are back for episode number 25. Uh, today we have Lynn, our newest family member. Uh, she's here to talk about how things work in her state. And we'll go ahead and uh, Lynn, say hi to the people. Hi, Two Hats fam. <laughs> She's shy, right. y'all. We got to get her in here. We got to get her buttered up. <laughs> Let's go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Trust me, everybody needs to know what's going on. <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess before we get to the um, Two Hats questions uh, that we normally start off with, Go ahead and tell us about uh, what state you're in and just a little bit about you. Uh, I'm in Utah. I've been working probation parole for 12 years, and uh, it's been quite the adventure. Wow, 12 years. I, I give it to you. You definitely got way more. Well, I got eight, so I guess I'm catching up to you. Catching up. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, so you said you're in Utah. All right, so we have uh, some out west. So we ha we've had what New Mexico, I think we had Arizona, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So uh, yeah, we're making we're making our way across the state there, making our way Alaska. We had Alaska. I guess you can't get more west than Alaska, right? Didn't we Let have a Nevada PO too? Uh, I can't remember. It's been so uh, many, <laughs> but I know I mean, it's, it's number, the first. number twenty five. <laughs> so we've we've had them all over the place now. Yeah. Um. So that's good. All right, Lynn. So a uh, couple standard questions we ask everyone. On the two hat scale between uh, one and ten, with one being a social worker and ten being a uh, law enforcement, you know, deputy sheriff, police officer, where would you say your department in Utah fits on the two hat scale? A textbook, they would tell you that they are half and half, but experience tells me that they are on the law enforcement side. Ooh, my kind of department, my kind of department. <laughs> so then on the scale, where's Lynn on the scale? I'm right in the middle. I have a educational background in both uh, the social work side and also the criminal justice side. I believe that people can change, but um, you have to be willing to change. And if you're not willing to change, then we need to hold you accountable for that, too. I agree. That's exactly how, that's kind of how I approach things is I, I want everybody successful. I'll give you all the tools. I'll help guide you. But in the end, you're, you have to make the choice. And if you don't, so you're not following the rules, you're putting the, the public at risk, then, you know, you're going to go sit down somewhere for a little bit till you change your mind. Yeah. So uh, go ahead, tell us more about your, uh, your educational background and experience that led you into probation. I actually grew up in the system. Uh, so I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to um, be somebody that believed in somebody getting a second chance. Um, <clears throat> so it took me a long time to get my stuff together. I didn't start college until I was in my 30s. Um, believe it or not, I am older than that. Um, <laughs> so, um, Y'all, she don't even I, look it at all. I was like, what? <laughs> when I started college, um, my I, uh, got a degree in um, criminal justice and in psych and a master's in social work. So that's my oh, yeah, a lot of experience. experience. <laughs> yeah. 
is she our first guest to have a master's in psych? A master's in social work? Um, I don't remember. You know I what? You're remember. supposed to be the one who remembers everything from all the episodes. I'll be counting on you, co-host. What's up? You know, that's too, that's too much pressure. That's too much pressure. <laughs> so what, okay, specifically, was there anything that happened in your life that made you say, hey, I want to be in probation or I want to be in parole? Um, I don't think that there was anything specific that happened um, in the beginning of my career. I was working with uh, specialty courts and justice-involved individuals that were um, part of veterans court, mental health court, drug court. Um, and But I was working on the treatment side of that, and I wanted to transition to um, a different role, partially because I felt like that their probation officers weren't giving them the chance that they needed to have um, and that's why I say I think that the the state that I'm in says that they are one way, but they practice another way. If that makes sense. So, why do you think it is that Utah, even though they say they're you know they should be a five, they're more towards the law enforcement side? What why do you think that is? Well, I think that when you work in this field for a long time, which most of my coworkers have, um, you start in that side. And, and the pendulum is swinging so far to the other side now that um, a lot of people are having a hard time with that adjustment. Um, they, they have that law enforcement mentality over um, the treatment mentality. I think one thing to, uh, to mention here is that in the state of Utah, for you to be a, a probation or parole um, officer, you are taking the same training as law enforcement officer. So it's not a separate, um, it's not like a corrections officer. It's not a, um, you know, like a bailiff training or anything like that. Like you are going through training along with uh, city cops. So it, you are being trained with that mentality as well. Tell, tell us more, tell us more, yeah, tell us more about the training. So you actually go to the actual police academy. Yes. Yes. In Utah, it's... Um, in Utah, you have three different levels. I believe it is like where you have like your basic, basic corrections officer, your special functions officer. Those are, um, you know, like corrections officers that work in the county jail um, and the state penitentiary. And then you have your LEO, your law enforcement officer, and those are adult probation and parole agents. Um, and then your city cops and Utah Highway Patrol. So you go through all the same training as the police, um, like the emergency vehicle driving and everything's exactly the same. Yes. Uh, you know, with all the, the stuff that has happened over the last few years, we've had, you know, agents out, you know, just yesterday or the day before it was a one year anniversary or two year anniversary of a city um, officer um, being killed in the line of duty. And one of our officers actually was shot in that same incident I'm um, trying to help this officer. So like we, we are expected to respond to the same situations if we are out doing house visits um, or if there's, you know, needing ex extra security, you know, any, any events or things like that. Like we are still expected to perform the duties of a law enforcement officer. So what are the, um, what are your full, uh, I guess, authorities and arrest powers? Is it the same? You have the same exact arrest powers as a police officer? Is it limited because you're on the probation parole side? How does that work? Because I know in my state, 
our I mean, our authority is over people on probation and parole. We are considered law enforcement. We don't go through the same academy that law enforcement goes through. We go through our own academy. Um, and then we're able to assist law enforcement to a certain degree within certain limitations and boundaries. Um, so how does it like, how does it work with you guys being, you know, going through the full police academy? Yeah, so we, um, we enforce the law to its fullest effect. Um, we are in unmarked cars. Uh, we have the authority to pull somebody over for a DUI if they're suspicion. We, you know, the, the state frowns upon it. They don't want us getting involved in that, but we do have that authority. If we are at, um, you know, an offender's house um, who is in possession of things that they shouldn't be in possession from, we don't need to go to the court and get a warrant. Um, and and for a violation of probation to get them arrested, um, we can perform those duties and book them into jail on our own um, based on probable cause. So you guys are able to do all the actual filing of paperwork for new charges? Yes, sir. Okay. So yeah, in my, in my state, we're not able to, we can file probation violations. So, you know, if I go in the offender's house and, you know, he has an AK-47 sitting on the dresser, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, I can go ahead and, you know, um, arrest him on the probation violations, but then I'm going to be calling local police. They're going to come out. Um, you know, they're going to run the gun, you know, see if it's stolen. They're going to uh, run his record, see if he's a convicted felon and possess a firearm, add some more charges on top of it. Um, and I guess if they want to do a further search and they can get a search warrant, et cetera. Um, but only thing I can do is arrest him on the probation violation aspect of it. We don't file new charges. Yeah, and then in my training and going to conferences, um, you know, with APPA and APA outside of the state of Utah, that seems like that's um, how most agencies are. I think there's less than a handful of uh, agencies throughout our country that run their um, probation or parole agents um, as law enforcement officers, not peace officers or just a probation officer. Yeah. That, that well, is, again, Texas, different. we don't do none of that. We don't do any of that hard stuff y'all got to do. <laughs> it's, it's work work over there. So do you find that a lot of law enforcement officers come over to the probation side or a lot of probation parole officers go just strictly law enforcement? Um, yeah, we do see a continuous exchange. You know, one of my good friends uh, was a, a city officer for 14 years and came to adult probation and parole. And, you know, four years later, went back to working um, as a street cop because that was that was her jam. That's what she enjoyed doing. She liked sitting at a desk, writing, you know, a lot of warrants or paperwork, following up on things like that. The paperwork. Um, Chris's favorite part, the paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. If you do it right the first time, you don't have to do it the second time. That's true. That's true. Um. It's just a lot. It is a lot. It's not like, you know, when you're, you know, fully police officers, you know, they come on upon a situation, you know, they investigate it, they write up their report, um, you know, their affidavit or whatever in terms of what happened, they write their police report. And that's really it. You know, with us, it's every single little thing you have to document. You call somebody, you got to write it up. You do a violation, you do, you know, uh, office, office appointment, uh, home contact. It's like, Every little thing you do, you call a service provider to check up on, check on, you know, make sure they're, they're attending their classes. You got to write that up. It's like everything. And it just gets to be, it gets to be a lot. 
Um, but you know, absolutely. Since Utah is more what? law enforcement, does that help with the recidivism rate? Or are you seeing a lot of offenders complete successfully? Or how is that? Well, I would like to say a lot of people complete successfully. And probably, I don't have the exact numbers, but I'm sure several do. Um, but then we see them come back. Um, so as far as recidivism, I wouldn't say that our recidivism rates have went down, but um, I probably shouldn't necessarily speak to that exactly, um, just because I have my personal opinion and my own theory. Okay. Um, you know, uh, they're out there building a new prison right now that's smaller than the current prison that we have. And so I think that um, getting people out into the community and having them do treatment in the community versus in prison um, is a contributing factor to that because when you're incarcerated, you're more willing to get out of your cell to go participate versus um, when you're in the community, uh, somebody has to pay your bills. So your priority is not going to treatment. Your priority is is paying your bills if that's what's important to you. Um, How are there a lot of uh, resources available for people who are like unemployed or homeless or have drug addictions, alcohol addiction? Um, no, <laughs> no. But that was the one thing that I found to be hard being a PO was that so many people needed help and that there wasn't the resources available. Yeah, it's uh, they did they did within the last few years um, start a program with the state Medicaid. Um, so like your low income health insurance. I don't know if it's the same out in your guys' states or not, but um, where if you, you know, had been incarcerated um, and had not been kicked off Medicaid for, you know, like fraudulent reasons um, that you could qualify for Medicaid for a year. Um, and that was supposed to help you get the treatment that you needed. Um, but some uh, treatment providers are so overwhelmed, depending on the area that you're in, that they don't have what's necessary they don't have the ability to provide the appropriate treatment um, or they don't have the ability to provide the appropriate treatment just because it's a small rural, rural area. So it has its, um, I think that if you're going to prison or, or being arrested for drug charges that you're at the level of probably needing a residential treatment program and you're not gonna get a residential treatment program out on the streets unless you can mm -hmm. afford to pay for it by yourself. See, that's that's the, I think that's the one of the downfalls of probation and parole, especially when you're trying to you know elicit change with somebody that has you know some spews or mental health issues or other kind of things they need services for. Is that you know like where I'm at in my state, in my city, where I in the county I work in, there's a lot of resources. There's a lot. If you want to make a change, if you want help, there's a lot of things available for you. A lot of different programs, either done through private organizations or through the county itself. There's a lot. But then you go over to the next county that's more rural, and there's just there's just less. There might be one provider, or you know they might have to send you to another county in order to get services. So I think that's definitely a a, a downfall. Um, I don't know how you fix that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely uh, something to think about when you get into this field is what are the resources that are available? How do you actually get get the offenders to where they need to be? 
Because yeah. I know one thing uh, Brittany talks about is the transportation issue. Sometimes people have issues getting around, you know. I think that's a big, um, the transportation, housing, jobs, like that's all, you know, a uh, contributing factor, which is a huge reason that I um, chose to continue my education in social work for the social justice aspect of it. Because um, whether we like it or not, people are coming out of incarceration and being placed in our community. And by having the mindset that they don't deserve um, an equal chance uh, is preventing the, is, is only reaffirming somebody's opinion that like they're always gonna be a criminal. Because if you can't get a, a job that's gonna pay you a, a wage enough to get an apartment, then you're gonna go back to, to doing what you were doing, whether it's selling drugs, selling your body, whatever it is to get you what you need. Everybody has the same basic needs. And so we need to somehow create a, a better system that can meet somebody's basic needs to help them get to where they need to be. Um, the other part on that too is if you come out of if you come out of incarceration and you go work construction where you're making, you know, $35 an hour, $60,000, $70,000 a year. Um but you can't even get a place to live because you have a criminal history, then you're in the same position. Yep. So it's about um, uh, creating a, a better system that, that everybody can have their basic needs met. You know, you got a lot, we have a lot of slumlords out where I'm at, people that will rent to anybody, you know, sex offender, extreme criminal history, but the conditions in which they're living in is, is worse than our homeless shelter that's infested with bugs, you know? So sometimes we're talking about money. How, what is the starting salary for uh, a PO out there? Average. I don't know what the salary is, but the process is, um, the process is you're, you're, it used to be that you had to work in the prison for a year and a half before you could be considered to go work in a halfway house or to become an agent. Um, and the start, starting salary for a corrections officer, I believe was like 19, $20 an hour or something like that. Um, which everybody knows that the cost of living just continues to, to grow and grow and grow. And so I don't know that 20 bucks an hour is gonna pay somebody's bills, but. So it's not that way anymore? You don't have to, to start out in corrections? No, it's not. If you have, um, if you have education or um, if you have education or um, previous experience as a law enforcement officer, then you can go into um, an agent position. Um, but they don't require you to work in the prison anymore. And that might change um, with the ch change of location of the prison. They have a lot of um, people that aren't willing to drive that extra distance. So, you know, you never know. Things are always changing. I think that's kind of good for some, well, maybe not. Let me ask you this before I say that. <laughs> so if you went that corrections route, did you still have to have that, um, that degree, that bachelor's degree? They actually don't require you to have a degree in the state of Utah to be a, a probation parole agent. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. That's the information I need right there, okay. A lot of that's people weird. want to get into the field and, you know, they don't have that degree. So that's a good thing. A lot, yeah. a lot of states do require you to have, um, it's, you know, it's, it's require you to have some kind of degree. Um, so that's, that's different that you don't yeah. actually need it. Yeah. You can, you can turn 21 and go, uh, 
work for Highway Patrol without a deg- without a degree, and it's the same for corrections. Wow. So, okay. all right. So let's 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 get a couple of base facts down. So in Utah, is it is it a state system or is it a county run system? It's a state system, and we are under the executive branch, so it's all governed um, outside of the judicial system. Yeah, so so it's Utah Department of Corrections, and then you have the Division of Prison Operations on one side, and the Adult Probation and Parole on the other side, and then the Utah Board of um, or the Board of Pardons is separate from even the Utah Department of Corrections. Okay. Okay. And so there are separate. It's a so it's a state system, and you guys handle probation and parole cases. Yes. Okay. Okay. A lot of people want to know because different states do things differently. Like in PA, probation is done on a county level, and then state parole is a whole separate agency at run at the state level. So it's, it's just different how things are uh, ran and operated in different states. So, um, uh, okay. I agree. I believe I, I have uh, I've been in so many trainings with other states and other agencies that I'm like, whoa, this is crazy to me. So. And you mentioned so, APPA. Chris, have you ever been to APPA? I, I've heard of it. Um, I have never been involved with it. I've read like, you know, different study studies and publications they've put out, but I've never actually like went to any conferences or anything like that. Oh, you should try. You should see if your department let you go. This is it's very informative. You meet and you learn some so many things. Like, but go ahead. What were you about to say? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to guess. I'm just trying to just kind of wrap, wrap, wrap my head around everything um, Utah related. So, a couple of things. So, the having people start at the corrections level at the prisons. Um, that's not like a requirement I have here in my state, but a lot of our officers did come from the prisons. Um, I think they think it's just, I don't know if this, they did that in order to get experience before they came over. Um, I've never, I've never worked in a prison. I've worked in a juvenile play, uh, reform school, but I've never actually worked in a prison, um, which I don't think that's something personally I could do. I have a thing about locked doors. Like I hate taking people to jail because I hate when you take them, you know, as soon as you go through the Sally port, you're like locked in. I hate that. So I don't know if I could do personally could do it more power to those that can. Um, and then on the second part was, uh, so we talked about the degree. We talked about the, um, starting the prisons and I forgot my third point. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. You know, there's so, a, there's a lot of good benefits, um, that Utah provides that I think some other States don't provide to, um, to their employees, not just the Department of Corrections, but um, it's the, the, their pension, you know, not a lot of, of places offer pensions um, anymore. And as a, a correctional, a public service employee, you know, you, you have the opportunity to have a great pension. Um, and then also the, the um, health benefits, like if, if you're, single with no kids you know you don't pay anything for your health insurance so there are some you know pros to to the benefit side of what's offered if you choose to make that your career as well as a part of their application process do you have to undergo like that what is it chris a psychological exam and the um some type of physical fitness exam 
Yeah, so yes. So in my state, we had to go through um we had a physical, um, and then we had a psychological. We didn't have to go through like a PT test or anything. Um, which and PT isn't um required in our academy. We do wellness where we'll do some like, you know, cardio type stuff, but it's it's very rare. I think we might have done it like two or three times the entire time we were in the academy. Um but it's not like a daily thing. Um, so I'm assuming since you guys uh, kind of go through a, a police academy, is is that a part of what you have to go through a phys- you know, physical training and all that all that good stuff that normal cops go through? Yeah. So you when, w- once you submit your application, if they decide that they want to put you through the testing process, um, the very first thing that you have to do is pass that PT test. Um, so the requirement when I went through, um, was you had to run your mile and a half in like 1630 or something like that. Um, and then you had to do a certain amount of push-ups in one minute, certain amount of sit-ups in one minute and, uh, um, be able to, to, to do a, uh, squat jump at a certain amount of inches. Um, and then that's like your entry, but if you're selected and you make it all the way through, then you at the end have to do another PT test. And all of that comes down. Um, I mean, like your run has to be cut by a few minutes. Your um, your sit-ups and push-ups are, you know, they, they go up in how many that you need to have. And then your jump goes up by, I think, two or three inches. You need to be able to jump um, another two or three inches. Um, so if you pass your PT test and you have not taken the written post exam, then they require you to complete that post exam and it's either done um, through the department of corrections or you can do it through like the community college or you know i think there's a couple of other schools in utah that offer this written exam basically showing that you're uh, competent in reading writing mathematics and problem solving so is it pretty Um, easy what was that is that is that exam pretty easy Uh, i failed it the first time Oh, I I passed it the second time. Um, So it's I think some of it it really it depends on you. Um, I'm a chronic overthinker. And so if you ask me a question that that there could be um, several different answers to it, then I don't even know what to give you because um, I want to give you all the answers and challenge it and, you know, whatever. Um, so once you've passed your PT and the written exam, um, then they move you through the background check process. Um, the packet for the background check is like 30 pages. I mean, you have to, you have to write everything that you've ever done in your whole life. People that are related to you, whether you talk to them or not, like, it's like very similar to the, I say very similar to the FBI background check because it's like you're documenting everything that you've ever done, every person you've associated with for like 10 years. Anybody that you've lived with, whether it was a roommate, a significant other you're no longer with, you have to provide all that information. Um, And then they review it. And if they want to move you through the next process, oh, let me retract on that. So even though that that um, we are told our whole lives, if you have a juvenile record, it can't be used against you. It can be if you um, want to go into law enforcement. Um, you just have to give a really good explanation and be able to prove that since your juvenile history, like you haven't continued those kind of behaviors 
um, if you don't want it used against you. So you do have to disclose everything. Um, speeding ticket. I have like, I had like 10 speeding tickets. I thought for sure they weren't gonna, they weren't gonna let me go through. Um, so you have to disclose all of that. And if you don't have, you know, recollection of it, you can't just skip it and say, this is what I remember. Like you need to be going to like the DMV and getting your driving record or going to the courts to get information about like your charges or whatever. If you, if you do have a criminal history, um, so once that's completed, if they want to move you through the next process, then you go through your polygraph exam. And the polygraph packet, again, is like 20 pages. And, you know, that's a lot of people don't make it through that process, um, either because they, they did something that they admitted to that the department doesn't want them, you know, for that reason, or just because they couldn't pass the polygraph. And then if you pass the poly, um, then they start moving you through the next steps and um, give you a, an actual start date of when you'll start the academy. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty long process. It's like nine months. Um, it could take longer, but it's about nine months from start to finish. Ooh. I know y'all got to be short-staffed. In order for, mm -hmm. for the process to be that long and complicated, uh, you guys have to be short-staffed. I can see a lot of people be like, yeah, I'm just not going to go through all that. There's a there's less people that say I'm not going to go through all that and more people that, um, that decide that they just want to go somewhere else. Um, and what I mean by go somewhere else is like a long-term employee decides that they want to be a road cop. And the recruiting is just not... Um, there's not enough people like coming in on the recruiting as there is going out. And so that's where the short staffed um, issue comes in. Mm. Mm. Uh, so I'll put the word out for Utah. Hey, Utah needs some people. <laughs> people are always asking me how they can they become a PO. So that's what I'm here for. I think it's easier to become a PO in other States than it is in Utah. Oh, oh it sounds like. <laughs> oh, definitely. I think I think Brittany, all she had to do is just show up, and then she got basically, it. She got the job. Basically, that's it. I just had to show up, do a drug test, and here you got the job. Well, I'm gonna move to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> You'll love it down here. It's it's so nice. It's warm, and it's probably cheaper to live too. For sure, for sure, hands down. So, um. So once you guys get to the academy, what uh what kind of uh safety equipment are you guys issued? As far as uh what's on our duty belt? Yeah, everything everything they give you, um, you know, weapon, vests, all all that good stuff. Like what do they issue you guys? So we are um most of the time, unless it's your firearm and you know kind of in charge of getting a lot of your own stuff. We are given a uh, stipend, you know, of um, what, what it would cost or, you know, we get a yearly um, card to buy clothing and equipment with as well. Um, but we are trained in um, OC, we are trained, taser trained, we are uh, firearms trained. So we have a whole firearms academy. Um, it's advanced uh, officer certification. So that's the whole firearms academy um, that you go through. 
So we carry the same equipment as a standard law enforcement officer. Wow. I know some states, some states you have the option to carry a gun, um, but they don't give you an option for a taser. And as a probation officer, I'd rather carry a taser because uh, I am trying to shoot my offender and end up on the news um, when I could turn around and walk away from the situation. But in Utah, you can't turn around and walk away from the situation. You have to, you need to stay engaged in it. Oh my gosh. Chris and I have this discussion all the time because in Texas, we don't, they don't, POs don't carry at all. And Chris is pro carrying for POs. I'm like, Chris, it's not that dangerous, but it sounds like it's a whole different ball game in Utah. So I'm like, oh yeah, y'all need to carry all the things, <laughs> have that duty built full. Yeah. I, I don't uh, listen. Like I said, I can't. I'm not doing this job unless unless I'm able to protect myself. It's as simple as that. You're. I'm, I mean, I have. I mean, I've dealt with had offenders on for murder, assault with deadly weapon, intent to kill. You know, gang members. They're running around with guns. Um. Yeah. There's there's no way I'm just gonna be like, oh, okay, you have a gun. All right, cool. I'm a uh, I'm gonna holler at you later. No, no. Nah. <laughs> No, nah, it's not going. It's not. No, nah, it's not going to happen. We we got we got to handle business. Um, and I understand it's all about how you know you present yourself and how you you know go about the job. Um, but yeah, but I understand Utah it. because they're actually law enforcement. Like they out here on the streets for real. But y'all over there, the PA and all these places. Mm -mm. That's we gonna talk about that later, Chris. Because you know we can go on and on about that. Mm. I'm so pretty, uh, I'm laughing watching you on this video. <laughs> this is this is how it is with us. This is just how it is. Um, so with you guys being actual law enforcement officers, state certified. So how how is your relationship working with you know other law enforcement officers? You know, local police, sheriffs, and things like that. Um, it depends on on your expectation, your relationship with them. Um, I believe that uh, some, we have some areas um, where local law enforcement is like, you're LEO too, why don't you handle it? Um, and there are some that are more than willing to um, support and provide backup. Um, so it's, it really is dependent on, on the relationship that you have with the agency because if you're an APMP agent um, who carries the same badge as a city officer and you're constantly calling the city for help, um, the officers are not gonna like you because you went through the same training. And, you, and some people will say you're just being lazy. You don't wanna do the paperwork of uh, taking contraband or arresting somebody or you know whatever. So you need to handle it because it's your offender that you're wanting this information on. Now, if, if I have a car in front of me, I'm on my way back from training, I have a car in front of me all over the road driving reckless. I'm in a, a marked car, I could flip my lights on, but the agreement is that we need to get other agencies and that the highway patrol or whatever city agency needs to be involved to do that actual traffic um, violation and that's just an agreement that they've really tried to put in place as respect to the other agencies that like you're not just out there patrolling their streets because they're not doing it because that's not the case it's more so like place and time mm -hmm. so 
So you guys, oh, you guys have full emergency lights. That's nice. Yeah, we don't have those, so that's nice. It's nice when somebody want- wants to ride your ride your ass. Sorry for my language. I'm not realizing, <laughs> and then you flip you flip your lights on and you watch them scoot way uh-huh. back. <laughs> what what kind of vehicles are you guys issued? Um, so there's a wide range of vehicles anywhere anywhere from the police interceptors to uh, SUV. Um, we have a, a Subaru Forester in one county that has wow. a lot of, yeah, <laughs> they have a, um, a lot of terrain like a, uh, that needs all wheel drive, stuff like that. And it's super undercover. They're going out people's houses that are out in the middle of nowhere. So, um, yeah, it's just a wide variety of, of vehicles, chargers. Wow. Um, are they are are they assigned to you? Are they take home cars, or you kind of like got to sign it out, you know, for the day? It depends on where what area that you work in, and if there's enough cars. If you're a supervisor um, or shift, no, yeah. If you're a supervisor or a, an area administrator, then you are assigned your own take home car. If you are in an area that has enough take home cars as a standard agent, um, you may have one between you and your partner and you guys decide who wants to take it home. Um, things like that. But if you're in an area where there's not that option, then most of the time the one or two cars that are in the, available in that area are just shared amongst the few agents that are out there and they're kept at the office. Mm. Okay. That's uh, that's different. I guess that works. Do you guys have take home cars where you're at? Yes. Uh, every officer is assigned a car and then you get to choose um, whether you want it to, to be take home or not. Um, and then you just have to, this paperwork you got to fill out and put a request in and somebody higher up has to sign off on it. But I don't think I've never seen them actually deny anyone. Um, Cause they, they, they advertise it in the recruitment as a, you know, a perk of the job that you get a take home car. Um, but like I said, there's other officers that, that just refuse to do it. Um, I've heard different reasons from, you know, I don't, you know, the cars have, you know, uh, you know, telematics that, you know, track the speed and location of the car. And a lot of people feel like they don't, they don't want the state all up in their business, what they're doing, whatever, you know, or whatever. My thing is if you're not doing anything wrong and you're driving a car and going to places where you're supposed to be going, um, I mean, you know, you can't take it to the grocery store. You can't, you know, take it to go to the movies. You know, it's you go home, you go to work, um, and then you go, you know, do your home contacts. You know what I mean? Um, everything else, use your personal car. To me, that's uh, that's more than reasonable enough for me. You know, um, yeah. I guess there's some people that still want they don't want to deal with that. So. Well, Lynn, I have a question. Since you guys' is, uh, role in Utah is so involved. Like on average, how many people do you hold on the caseload at a time? So that depends on what kind of caseload that you have. Um, our caseloads, they could be a female caseload. They can be, um, they call it the SOMEO team. It's our sex, sex offenders, mentally ill team. Um, they're higher needs. And then you have your standard caseloads. I don't want to say that? standard caseloads. Um, I'm going to say about 60. Okay. I could be, I could be wrong. Um, it could be a little bit more. It could be a little bit less, but I'm going to say averaging about 60. And the, the one thing that I've learned 
from other states is the amount of contacts. Sometimes people are like, wow, that's a lot. Um, but not everybody is on the same level of supervision. Um, uh, the Department of Corrections does not want us supervising people with a low, uh, low standard supervision. They would rather them be on court-ordered probation, like through the courts, not through, like in a private entity, not through adult probation and parole. Um, because that, that means that really they, you know, uh, aren't high risk to reoffend. And so if we're putting them in programs with other people that have been in, that, in and out of the system, in and out of prison, the likelihood that they might start picking up on the behaviors is higher. So like somebody who's a moderate um, uh, level of supervision, which means a moderate level to reoffend, um, their contacts might be like one in office a month and one um, at home visit a month. You know, and then, then uh, high might be two home visits a month and one office visit a month or, you know, something like that where, and then intensive is like two in office and two at home contacts. So if you have 60 people and it's all varying, you know, it's, you're not having to see them per week where some other agencies are, you know, per week contacts. So. Like here in Texas, well, my area actually county, it was averaging 150 on my caseload, but most of them we would only see once a month. And then we would do like a field visit or home contact maybe once every other month. So I can see uh, that that's a huge difference. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like you got 40 hours in your work week pending nothing goes wrong. And you, you got 150 people to see once a month. Like, like I think anybody in Utah would die for that. <laughs> but... <laughs> Hey, listen, listen, listen. You got to still go to court. You, I mean, you still got some offenders you got to see weekly sometimes. If, if you're trying to get them on the right track, you're like, hey, come see me every week. You know, if it just goes up and down. But 60, I feel like that's nothing in comparison to what we have to do with. Yeah, we don't go to court unless we're subpoenaed by the judge. Or oh, uh, And then you mentioned something about private probation. So they have a private system in Utah? Well, so they have each county or each like district court, um, they have uh, like court where they we call it court probation, where it's like less way less level of supervision. It's basically somebody who is not really at risk, but the court still wants to have them um, be held accountable for something. So they still got to go drug test. Um, but I know nothing about those places. So if we talking about getting a job there, I would just be um maybe reaching out to the courts and find out who their court or their private probation um companies are i know like you meet with them maybe once a month you go and do your drug test they make sure that you're following the court order so like if you're court ordered a, a substance abuse evaluation or a certain class or something like that they'll make sure that you're doing that um and if you don't do what you're supposed to then they'll send you back to court and maybe put you on probation with eight, uh, adult probation and parole Chris, y'all we don't have that. We handle our own stuff. But I mean I've heard of there there being states where they have private companies that operate pro like low level probation cases. Um I think like I've heard like I heard like in Florida they have like salvation armies that handle low level probation cases and things like that. Um 
so yeah, that's that is that is I've heard of it, um, but I've never actually seen it or experienced it. All the places I've worked, just you know, we handle all our own stuff. Um, but Lynn, do you have any uh any any stories? Anything crazy has happened out there on the streets that you want to share that you can share? Um, you know, tell, you know, people like to hear the stories and kind of get a a sense of what the job actually is. Let me think about that for a second. I got stories, but I don't want to scare nobody away. Go ahead, go ahead, scare them. It's cool. <laughs> so um, another thing with uh, adult probation and parole is you have the the opportunity to participate in working with outside agencies like the Fugitive Task Force team for each region, or um, like the VFAS team or doing um, things with the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, and doing drug recognition and stuff like that. Um, so that, that becomes a, another um, aspect, another piece of your job that you're out there doing. Um, so say you want to go out and catch a fugitive, and um, you're part of the, the fugitive task force team, and, and you have a tip on somebody who is in a home, and you have been surveillancing the home for you know, a good seven, eight hours and you know that person has not left. So you make entry into the home and they fall through the ceiling on top of you. I mean, that's a that's a funny, comical day, but like it can be heart um, racing, you know, like adrenaline pumping too. So I think that, um, yeah, there's, there's comical things and there's sad and unfortunate things that happen um, with our probation officer or probationers and parolees you know nobody wants to get a call that their uh parolee shot his girlfriend or you know um was running from the cops and crashed the car and rolled it and he's in critical condition and the passenger was you know deceased like things like that we deal with but there's just as much good as there is in it as well i can't tell you um like how many uh offenders that i've worked with who have said to me like i don't think i would have made it this far like if you hadn't been here supporting me, so. Oh, that's the yeah. part we love. Oh, that's the part. Yeah. That's the part that keeps you going. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Have you ever had to like run after or chase down somebody, one of your offenders? I've never, ever Chris, had to Chris chase. Things. <laughs> Chris, didn't you tell I've a story never. about you running down somebody before having to chase after one of yours? Man, I, I've, I've had some situations when I was a juvenile officer where I, I don't know why I thought I could chase after these little young, these little young kids and catch them. I don't know who I thought I was. <laughs> um, I've learned my lesson. I, I personally have a no chase policy. So my thing is, if you get past me, have at it. You know what I mean? But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't chase people no more. I'm, uh, that's not, that's not my thing. I'd rather secure the house sweep the house and handle it that way but i'm not i'm not chasing people anymore it's not where i've had i've had i've had adult offenders run for me in the streets and i'm just like i'm i'm yelling at them like i'm not gonna chase you this is it's not that serious <laughs> you know what i mean and i'm like i'll just go back to the office and you know put paper out on you you know what i mean it's 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 i'm not i'm not chasing you going chasing you in these streets it's it's not gonna happen i have that same kind of that same thought like you can't run forever so why am I going to exhaust myself running after you when I got other business to handle and eventually you're going to slip up and come right back to me. So 
So since you guys don't go to court, do you even administer drug tests or does it a separate a separate person do that? No, we do all the drug testing. Uh, we do saliva, saliva, breath, urine, and we don't do blood draws. Um, you have that new uh, the eye scanner. Chris, what was that? Uh, isn't there a new eye scanner for drug testing? Oh yeah, we. Where what state was that? Um, was it Idaho? I, think I don't it was remember Idaho. what state it was. Have you heard about it? I haven't heard about it, <coughs> but sounded pretty interesting. We have ankle monitors that look like, um, you know your EMU unit, but they're for mm -hmm. testing alcohol too. So. Oh yeah, like the cam units. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Those are pretty much those are pretty much standard. As we have. Yeah. Most of so the I, people so I work with right now are are they're all on EMU units. So I got run run around the block, see how far see how far <laughs> you get. <laughs> I'm sure I'm I'm sure you get a lot of people like cut those cut those bad boys off. Oh yeah, but then they end up paying a thousand dollars for it in the end. You know, and even oh. if you get off paper, say you get off paper and you're doing well and you've you know, really improved your life and you're working a good job, uh, the state tax uh, commission is going to come get that thousand dollars from you. So one way or another. So eventually it catches up, you know, 10 years down the road, when you finally got it together, you're still going to be paying for that EMU. So I tell people all the time, like, don't be silly, just do what you got to do. I won't violate you for only paying $5 a month for your supervision fees. But if you pay nothing, then I will. So exactly. What I always tell people on EM, I'm like, listen, listen, just adult to adult. If you come to, if you come to a realization that you do, that you don't want to have this thing on you anymore, and you're just gonna take off, that's your decision to make. You're an adult. I'm an adult. We all, we all, we all have the ability to be autonomous and make our own decisions. Just leave the unit at the house for me to find. I'd rather you take a probation violation than you take new charges. It's as simple as that. Which one would you prefer? Would you prefer just to get the probation violation? Or now you want to have these new felony charges for larceny of state equipment and, you know, destruction of state equipment. And our units cost $2,000, not $1,000. So I'm like, it's not, it's not worth it. Just, but we'll still have people that will do stupid stuff, like take it off and throw it away or throw it down. A, I had a guy do it down a sewer. Um, I'm like, well, well, I guess you won't take that charge because I'm not going down there looking for it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, like I told you, just if you're gonna cut it off and you're going abscond, that is your decision to make. We'll play the game. Just leave it at the house. Leave it with Mama. Just leave it with her. I'll come by, pick it up. And like yeah. I said, you can just take, just take, just you know, just just take the violation. But no, they always want to do something stupid. I had I had some I had somebody say they, they were riding on the back of a motorcycle and they just threw off a bridge. Why? 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 It, it makes no sense to me, but again, they're 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 on supervision for a reason. They don't make good decisions. Yeah. Mm -mm. Mm. Um. So, Lynn, do you have any uh any final words of advice for anybody that wants to be a PO, whether in general or in Utah? Um, any advice or anything like that? I think the biggest thing for anybody who's in this field already or who, who is interested in going in this field is to just remember that um, these people are in our same community. 
So the more of a jerk that you are, the, the more opportunity that you're going to get harassed in the community. Um, but if you show that you care and you're trying to give them the opportunity to show change, um, you're going to have a better rapport with them, ultimately possibly leading to a better outcome. So it doesn't matter whether you agree with what they've done or not, they're still going to be your neighbor. So why not give them an opportunity to be a better person? Let them prove you wrong instead of you coming at them with the mindset of you broke the law and you're going to be a criminal forever. Amen. Wow, that's very well said. Because it's true. It's true. Mm -hmm. I, I, I ran into offender. I ran into some offenders out in the streets. Act like I don't know you. You act like I, you don't know me. And we keep it moving. But they're <laughs> out there. So <laughs> you might as well do your best to try to be a change agent, I guess. Well, you already know, Chris. My offenders love me. They love me. Mm, oh, sure man, man, did you see that interview I did with one of my old clients? Shout out to my Facebook people of anybody listening. If y'all don't know, your favorite PO is on Facebook. And I have an interview with one of my old defendants. So if you haven't checked it out, go to Facebook, your favorite PO. And listen. I'll definitely go check it out. I've been following you for a while, but I haven't made it through a lot of videos because it's usually Ooh, I got a lot of trying to fall asleep. But I'm going to go check it out then because that'll okay. be a good one to watch for sure. How, how, did, how did you find us? I have been following Brittany for a while on both uh, Instagram and Facebook because I was like, your favorite PO, who the hell is this? Um, And then I don't know if she posted something and I reached out and made a comment to her and told her what's up. And now that's how I'm here right now. But yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. She's always posting like, like you know somebody on probation who's not doing what they're supposed to uh, encourage them to check in with their officer, encourage them to show up to the appointment, let them work with their, you know, let them hold themselves accountable to their PO so that we can w- continue to work with them. Because it's when they, when they stop doing, when they stop being accountable for themselves is when they end up getting themselves in trouble. Like I'll work as a probation officer, I'll work with anybody. If you come to me and tell me that you've screwed up, but if, but if I have to find a roundabout way and you still don't want to admit it to me, then it's not going to end well. So that's what her posts like that are what catches me every time. I'm like, dead stop. All right, let's look at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to encourage these people out here. It's hard. You know, sometimes they need that little extra motivation. They don't want to listen to their PO, but they'll listen to me. Hey, y'all. <laughs> That's why you're the favorite, allegedly. That's why I'm the favorite. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lynn, we, uh, we thank you for being a new family member here on the Two Hats podcast. Thank you for uh, sharing your experiences. Um, you know, being an officer out there in Utah, um, definitely it's uh it's different, and this is what we this is what we like. You know, we like being here, being able to hear um, and share how the job is different from state to state, county to county. Um, just how th- the experiences are different, the requirements are different. Um, so, thank you again for coming on. We definitely appreciate you uh, sharing your time with us. And we are trying to grow the family. So if you know any PNPL probation parole officers out there who might be interested in hearing what we have to say and other officers across the country have to say, send them on over, okay? Two Heads Podcast. <laughs> we'll do. Thank tell you a friend guys so tell much for having me. All right. Uh, Two Heads family, make sure you guys uh, follow us on Instagram at 
Two Hats Podcast. Um, you can follow Brittany on her Instagram page.